began a few weeks ago talking to you on this subject of teach us to pray. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. As you're doing that, let me welcome the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm grateful that you're with us today. I'm thankful for what God is doing in your location, and we're believing today that as the Word of God goes forth, it's going to change your destiny and change your life. So would you get ready to receive today? The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning in the ninth verse, says, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, over the past three weeks, that's what we've been talking about. We've taken each and every aspect of that. The first week, we talked about hallowing the name of God, how that the Old Testament gives us eight compound names of Jehovah, and how that as we pray through that, that we genuinely hallow the name of God. And then we talked about how that we establish God's kingdom. The second week, how we establish God's kingdom. First of all, in our life, your kingdom come, your will be done in me. Then we talked about establishing it in our families. We talked about establishing it in our church as well as our nation and our, our world. And then last week, we talked about the, the whole aspect of, of praying in what we need and how that each and every one of us have needs, but we need to pray some things in. But we also talked about last week how to forgive. Not only do I need to bring some things in, I need to let some things go. And we talked about that last week. But this week, this, this today, as we kind of wrap all this up, and let me say this uh, before I forget. Uh, as you leave today, wherever you're in a campus or here, there, there are going to be prayer cards that's going to give you the whole outline that I've given you over the past four weeks, and you're going to have that so that you're able to pray through this. So see one of the ushers today as you leave. Thirteenth verse says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, the Word of God lets us know that God has given us the ability to defeat the enemy. Now, when, when I read that scripture where it says, and lead us not into temptation, does that scripture bother anybody? Nobody. Two people. Maybe at the campuses, maybe it bothers you. That scripture bothers me. Here's why that scripture bothers me. Because the book of James says that the Lord is not tempted, neither does he lead, lead, give any temptation to any of us. And yet, here Jesus said, when you pray, pray, lead us not into what? Temptation. I'm going, okay, wait a minute, how does this balance out? And so, for years I struggled with that passage until I began to read uh, some guys who understand Greek a whole lot better than I do. And, and what they're telling us in that is that here's what Jesus is saying, really. In our lives, we have a natural tendency to go into temptation, right? Nobody has to hold up a sign and say, temptation here, right? Nobody has to, I mean, you just naturally lead yourself into temptation. And so what this scripture is saying is, is that in that sense, pray, Lord, don't let us be led into temptation. Don't let us go into temptation in our lives. And so, you know what? You can pray that. Lord, don't let me be led into temptation. And that's wonderful. But I believe that there's a little bit more to that during this time of the prayer. Now, remember that this is kind of a, in, in a paragraph form. It's a teaching that Jesus is doing. And each one of those we've been extrapolating some things out of. And so in this, as we look at this, when we go into prayer, here's, here's what you need to understand. When you get to this part of the prayer, prayer, there's more to it than just saying, Lord, I don't want to be tempted. 
Uh, the, the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, just write this down if you're taking note. Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 18. I won't read it for the sake of time today. But it's where the Apostle Paul, sitting in a Roman jail cell, begins to talk to us, and he says, put on the whole armor of God. Right? And he begins to go through your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. And he goes through this whole thing. And, and as I, I begin to look at that, I begin to see, you know what? In our lives, when we come to this part of the prayer, we really ought to be putting on the whole armor of God. Now understand, the Apostle Paul is in a jail cell uh, for the gospel's sake, not because he'd robbed the local bank. All right? And, and so he is sitting there. And as he looks out the jail, he sees a Roman soldier who is, has the whole garb on him. He's ready to go to battle. He's ready. And, and so Paul, looking at that, begins to reference different parts of our lives that we need to, to put some things on. And so first of all, he says, put on the whole armor of God. And then he says, have your loins girt about the truth. In other words, the inward part of us. Psalms 51.6 says this. It says, behold, you desire truth where in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom now let me let me help everybody inside of us we don't have truth you say I don't believe that I'm a man of God I'm a woman of faith I'm I understand here's what the Bible says the Word of God says that the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it but God the Apostle Paul said it this way he said in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Now, I know when we come to church, we don't want to admit this. We, I, I got it together. No. Listen, I have found, and, I, and I've been a pastor now for over 32 years. Uh, I've been saved, it feels like, all my life. And, and here's, here's what I know, is I know that inside of me sometimes some stuff comes out that I didn't know was there. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever gotten bumped and something spilled out? Uh, you know what I mean. Somebody did something to you, somebody cheated you, somebody messed you over at work, and all of a sudden, those words you thought were gone forever. Right? And, and so as we pray, we need to say, Lord, I, I need truth in my life. I, I need to live from a perspective of truth. Why? Because the world's perspective is not truth. So we need to come back to the Word of God and say, God, today in my life, on the inward part of my life, let truth come out of me. And then he goes on and he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, again, the, the more I live for God, the less, this is going to mess with some of you, the less righteous I feel. You say, well, don't you understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? The old? I understand that. But, but how many of you, let me, let me do this illustration. How many of you know if you're in your house and, the, you know, it's, it's real dim and you, you walk by the mirror and you kind of look at it and you go, I'm, I'm okay. But then you flip the light on. And there's a big old stain right here and your hair looks like, you know, and, 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 and I mean, you go, man, I got I to gotta fix this stuff, right? It's the same way in my relationship with God. It's not that I'm not accepted by God, but here's what I found, is that the more I draw closer to the Lord, the more I come into His presence, it's like the light gets turned up brighter and brighter and brighter, and all of a sudden, areas that I had not seen before, 
I'm seeing unrighteousness in. And I'm going, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm a believer. But I've got some stuff. And, and don't come asking me what my stuff is. You don't ask, I won't ask. All right? But, but as, the, as the light shines brighter. And so that's why that I think that, that we need to pray that. You, you remember in, in the 23rd Psalm, remember what David said? Uh, he talked talking about the Lord. He said, he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Isn't it interesting that he talks about restoring his soul and the paths of righteousness together? I think that we need to pray that. Lord, I know in me, in fact, I know that the scripture says that my righteousness is as filthy rags in your sight. But here's what I know. I know that today I can wear the breastplate of righteousness, that everywhere I go, I can be righteous because of you. Not what I've done, but because of what you've done. And then he goes on and says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and we, we look at that and say, well, we ought to be telling everybody about Jesus. Do you know that the word gospel just means good news? You know, everybody, and I, again, I, I get in so much trouble. Everybody doesn't need you to preach them a salvation message. Some people just need you to bring peace. Some places we go just need to experience a little peace. And the Word of God, wasn't it, wouldn't it be great if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was able in every situation, in every place that we go, that we took peace with us. That, that just by walking in, that peace would come in, into the place. The, the Bible says it this way about, uh, about our feet. Psalm 18.33 says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and He sets me on high places. Wouldn't it be great if God would just lift us up and set us in high places and the peace of God would just rule in the midst of every situation? See, here's what I, here's what I found out about peace. Peace does not mean the absence of conflict. Some of you say, oh, no, no, no. Peace, let me give you a picture and I'll move quickly. Peace is Jesus asleep in the back of the boat when the waves are crashing everywhere and the disciples are freaking out and Jesus has peace See, that's what peace is and that's what the Lord tells us pray for peace pray in your life then it says that you need to take the shield of faith and 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 you know what I found out about faith is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God we all know that uh, uh, Proverbs 30 verse 5 says every word of God is pure and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. You and I can have the Lord as our shield and the faith of God, the word of God. Listen, there are moments in your life where you don't have much faith. Am I the only one? I mean, there are moments I wake up and I go, I don't want to do this anymore. It's quiet when pastor tells the truth, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, don't raise your hand, but have you ever been there? Have you ever been, I, I, I don't want to do what? I, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to church. Now, I'm really in trouble when I don't want to go to work or church because it's both the same place. <laughs> I don't want to work on this marriage. I don't want to work on this family. I, I, now we, we can be plastic or we can be real. 
And yet in those moments, what I need is I don't need to make another negative statement about my life. I need to begin to proclaim there the Word of God, which is pure, which is holy, which builds up my faith as I begin to say today, I know I may not feel like everything's wonderful, but I declare today by the Word of God, this is going to be the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in this day. But we take the shield of faith. Then he said, take the helmet of salvation. How many of you know what a helmet protects? Protects your brain, doesn't it? Let, let me help you real quickly. Every sin that happens in your life begins in your brain. Well, I, I didn't think about it. Oh, yes, you did. I mean, it may have been a microsecond, but you thought about it. I mean, it, it didn't, you know, I've had people say, well, I just don't know what happened. I just wound up in adultery. He just woke up and there he was. Really? Come on. I mean, you, you thought about it. You processed it. You, you know, you played around with it. You, you whatever. And, and so what, what we have to come to is saying, you know what? Daily, I, I need to protect my, my mind, my eyes, my ears. Because, again, your eyes and your ears pull so much. Right, listen, you, that temptation thing, you don't, have to, you don't have to have anybody helping you along. In our society, there is plenty of it out there. And so we, we need to protect ourselves with a helmet of salvation. Psalm 140, verse 7 says, O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. In, in other words, God, you're my salvation. And so as, as we pray through this, each of these aspects, we're praying, Lord, give me the helmet of salvation. And then he says, give me the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Every other piece that we've talked about is defensive. This piece is offensive. The Word of God. It's, it's powerful. Psalm 149, verse 6 says, Let the high praises of God be in your what? Mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. The New Testament says the Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, dividing asunder, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And, and it talks about the thoughts and even the intents of the heart. And so you and I have been given the authority through the Word of God. When you are assailed by the enemy, you need to say, Lord, today I am asking that the Word of God would come to my mind, that the Word of God would be there, and when I face something today, that I would have a two-edged sword in my hand through the Word of God. And you begin to confess what God says about you. Also, I think in this part of your prayer, you need to build a hedge of protection about yourself and your family. You need to do that. Now, again, for the sake of time, and I'm trying, I didn't want this series to be a, you know, a 10-week series, so I've, I've combined this last part. Uh, but Psalm 91, uh, verse 9 through 16. Again, I hope you're writing this down so that you can read this when you get home. Uh, but, but it begins to talk about, David's talking, he says, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all their ways. And he just continues to go. And in this setting of Scripture, David gives three becauses that God says, I'll do this because. Here's, here's what's going to happen because. The first one is, if you want a hedge of protection. Now let me help you. The enemy comes, John 10, 10, to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. So 
if you're being ripped off, if things are happening around your house, if things are taking place in your family all the time, it's negative, it's, it's being, stuff's being stolen uh, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever, all these things, things are dying, your marriage is dying, your family relationships are dying, whatever, then you need to learn to build a hedge of protection about your family, about your stuff. I believe you can build your protection around stuff. I don't believe the washer always has to break down. All right? So understand. So how do we build? Why? What are the causes? Why can I build a hedge of protection? And, and Psalm tells us that, and, and we'll go through it quickly. First of all, it says, because you have made the Lord your habitation. Number one, I've made the Lord my habitation. So I can boldly approach the throne of God, the Bible says, to make my petitions known. So God's my source. God's my habitation. So I can go to him and say, Lord, today I want my stuff taken care of. I want the angels of God Almighty to surround me. I want the presence of God to overshadow me. You can do that because you've made him your habitation. But the second reason found there in Psalm 91 is because God has set his love upon you. So I've made him my habitation, but then I look at it and he set his love upon me. Now I don't know about you, here's what the Bible says about his love. His love never fails. I don't have to worry about tomorrow's God's going to still love me. He is. I, I don't have to think, well, I did good this week, so he loves me. But if I mess up next week, he's not going to love me. No, hang on. He's going to love you in good times and bad times. And so you can say, Lord, today, because you've set your love upon me, I'm, I'm believing for my stuff to be taken care of, for my family, for my health, on and on. And then last, he said, because you have known his name. The Word of God says that he's been given a name, the name Jesus, that's above every name. That at that name, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, you know what? You've been given that name. You have that authority. You have the right to go in the name of Jesus and to say, you know what? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And, and so you, you, you have that, and you can begin to declare. I, I think you ought to declare, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God. In you will I trust. And as you do that, what you're doing is you're making a faith declaration. The, the Bible says that we declare a thing, and it's so, right? And, and so you're, you're speaking the Word of God. And then it ends up, remember we started, the, the, uh, four weeks ago we started with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we talked about his kingdom. And it ends up with his kingdom again. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And so as you're just kind of coming to the end of your prayer time, you're just saying, Lord, I thank you that I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. I don't, I don't know about you. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. I, I don't say that because I'm a preacher. I, I've had wonderful things happen in my life. I've had great things, my family, my wife, all those things. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing that's happened to me is Jesus Christ saved me. And, and so at that point, you just say, Lord, I, I just want to declare today that, Lord, you're going to preserve me. You're going to take care of me. No evil work that's going to work against my life. And, and you just begin to praise him because he has invited you to be a participant in his kingdom. Lord, I just thank you that I'm part of the kingdom. I'm a kingdom kid. I'm a royal heir. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you let me participate in this thing called your kingdom. 
thank you, God, that I can be a part. And, and you just, you can spend some time there. And as you see, as we've, we've transitioned through this whole process uh, over the past four weeks, what we've seen is, is that at every point, at every time, that there's so much we can be praying about that it's unbelievable. Right? Then we talk about the power. Lord, I thank you today for your power. Lord, I praise you that you've given me power. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples uh, at the Mount of Ascension? He said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you what? Are endued with power. The word power is dunamis, dynamite. J.J. Walker did not come up with dynamite. If you laughed at that, you're as old as I am. The rest of them go, who in the heck is J.J. Walker? All right? Now, so, so you get to that point and you're saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm part of, the, a part of the process of the power of God. I thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells within me and the spirit of truth is in me. And, and as you do that, you, you begin to meditate upon the power of God. And you begin to look at your problems and his power. And all of a sudden, those huge things begin to shrink. I use this illustration. It, some of you, it'll mess with you, and you but... Have you ever been to, to a restaurant? You know, at home you have those big bottles of stuff, right? I mean, you got syrup and it's in this huge container. You got ketchup, it's in this big thing. But, but have you ever gone to a restaurant and they give you a little bitty bottle? Right? Now, my brain goes places. I'm sorry it does. I, I, I hold those and I think I'm a giant. <laughs> Look how big I am. Look how small I am. All right. Now, I know I'm crazy, but at least I admit it. <laughs> Guess what happens when you bring your stuff to God? It looks big to you, but when it gets in his hand, it's so small and so insignificant that all of a sudden you go, Lord, I'm just going to declare that I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. I'm just going to declare today that I have been endued with power from on high. That my Father gives me strength. He gives me wealth. He gives me power to not grow faint. And however long I live on this earth, I'm going to have his strength and I'm going to have his power. And you know what? Life begins to look better as you begin to do that. So we talk about thine is the kingdom and the power. And then we talk about his glory. Here's, here's what I found is that the glory is not ours. In fact, the word of God says that God will not share his glory with anybody. I, I've been guilty of it through the years and try to catch myself, but, but I'll talk about my church. It's not my church it's his church right i mean i know what i'm saying but it's not mine i'm i'm a shepherd i'm i'm the pastor but it's his church a few years ago i was in a in a setting with td jakes talking to, to pastors and and as only td jakes can do he said he didn't go listen 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 but he you know he he, he did his deal and, and he, he said i, I want to talk to pastors for a minute and he said he said how many of you work hard and you spend all your time in the church and he went through this whole thing and I'm sitting there going, yeah, I got that one down. He's going to really get on these guys who are lazy. <laughs> he said, how many of you love the church? And I lifted my man, I love the church. He stopped, he said, 
the Word of God and God Himself never told you to love your church. I went, no, that ain't right. That's in the Bible. I've read that. He said, the Bible does not say love the church. He said, the Bible says love your wife. He said, the Word of God says that God loves the church. And I went, man, how did I miss that for so many years? Now, that doesn't mean I don't love you. But what it does mean is, is that it's his church. The church is not going to cease to exist. The church is going to continue for the glory of God. And so as you're praying, you're saying, Lord, everywhere I go today, let me walk worthy of your glory. Let me take a little bit of the kingdom of God and let people see your glory so that they will serve you and so that they will know who you are. That, that, that's what it's all about. And so you begin to praise him. Lord, I, I just praise you today. I just give you glory. I, I give you honor. I worship you. I thank you for all that you've done. And as you do that, you, you begin to see this whole thing wrapping up. And you, you begin to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. And, and here's what I will tell you. As, you. as you've listened over the past few weeks, you, you've heard different things. And what's been wonderful is, is I've had so many people come to me or, or I've gotten emails and, and phone calls saying, Pastor, you know when you talked about this, and yeah, I've never seen that before, and I begin to pray. And, and as I prayed in that way, as you talked about, I began, I had an answer here, and I had this happen. And, 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 and it's been exciting as a pastor to hear how people have begun to apply what I've talked about over the past four weeks now. And, and here's what I know, is that I know that so many of us struggle with this. So many of us find ourselves at the end of the day and then at the end of the week going, man, I really didn't pray like I should have. And, and we get into this condemnation business and, and we live in this cycle of legalism and and all that. And I want to tell you, what I've been preaching to you over the past several weeks is, is not to put you under condemnation. It's to enable you. It's to help give you a path to walk on. And as you walk this path, all of a sudden, here's what I will tell you. If you will take what I've taught you over the past several weeks and you will begin to apply it to your life, I will tell you, you will find yourself praying more than you've ever prayed in your life. Even if you're a praying person. Because you'll begin to see the intricacies of what the Word of God says. And you'll begin to find out that this journey of prayer is not an addendum to life, but that the journey of prayer genuinely is the essence of life. It really is what life is about. You say, how can you say that? Because here's all prayer is. Prayer is relationship with God. Nothing more, nothing less. It is coming to that place of day in and day out, building a relationship with God Almighty. And it's precious. I have a lot of relationships in my life. Some of them I'm thankful for. Some of them God loves them. But here's what I've known, is that every relationship I have has to be taken care of. It has to be tended 
if I want to have friendships and I want to have relationships, I have to work at it. I have people that I periodically just pick up the phone. In fact, I called one of them this week. He got ready to hang up, and he said, and I hadn't talked to him in months. And he said, man, I was so good to talk to you today. And I said, you know what? That phone works both ways. He laughed, and we're good friends, and it was okay. But you have to work at it. The same way with your relationship with God and with prayer. You have to work at it. If you go a day or two and you miss that conversation, it doesn't mean you can't start it the next day. If you go a week, if you go a month, hopefully you haven't gone a year. But however long it's been since you've been in a rhythm of prayer, I trust that what I have talked about over the past several weeks will at least challenge you to begin to live a life of prayer. Here's what I found, and I close. I have found that prayer has been the most marvelous journey I've ever been on. There's nothing that's been any better than my journey of prayer. And I have learned to leave my legalistic mindset behind and to genuinely find out how to fall in love with God. And I mess up, and I don't always do things right. And sometimes I think if everybody really knew me, nobody would listen to me. And yet, God always listens. There's never been a time in all of my life that I didn't know that he heard me. He's always been there. And so I challenge you and I encourage you. I will even say this, even if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to pray. Because your Heavenly Father loves you that much. Because here's what I know, that even those of us who are believers, that there are moments in our lives when we're not very Christian, and he still loves us. And he still hears us. And so I pray that God will help you to be a person of prayer.